And if you don't support it, that means you like cancer. Well, okay. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night, wherever you are in the world, and welcome to another episode of Endurance Chat. My name is Michael Zalavari, and with the joy of Daytona, the dawn of the GTP era, just in our rearview mirror, we move down to Australia for the first major GT3 event of the year, and that is the Bathurst 12 Hour, the opening round of the Intercontinental GT Challenge, and Australia's international endurance event. Uh, joining me today, as always, as we have done now for eight years, Kiwi Chris seventeen oh nine. Chris, welcome back to Endurance Chat. Why? Thank you. It's been a fair while, me being a daddy and all that. But hey, eight years we're doing this madness. This is the podcast where it all started eight years ago. Not this quite, race. but for but for you, it was. Yes, this was our yeah. second second episode, uh, but way back in twenty sixteen. And who knew now? what we were doing back then because <laughs> geez it's been a ride but yes we that yeah. was the year chris that we i remember we recorded this uh about 12 hours before i got on a plane and met you for the first time and then before we knew it we <laughs> yes. were we were road tripping the eight hours to bathurst yeah such uh naive times <laughs> yeah that's one way of putting it um and, and, and look at us now yeah we're always a, a professional as ever <laughs> Well, that's a bit of a start. Well, when are you going to get back to Bathurst, huh? Huh? Um. Well, I guess when the child's old enough to not have their ears blown off by the sound of V8s going around the corners. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, next year, maybe? Yeah, maybe 20 for 25. <laughs> We're going to get you back because that weekend was like the first proper endurance event I ever went to. And now here I am getting to go every year since, which has been pretty pretty terrifying now that i think about it but let's not talk about that let's talk instead talk about this event chris tell us why do we care about the bathurst 12 hour because bathurst is such an iconic track like you mentioned australia's endurance race uh it's the one weekend a year we invite all the international drivers down here to take on australia and new zealand's best of the best 12 hours around the magnificent mount panorama circuit there is nothing better and not only that, it holds a bit of a unique place as well. It's the, fir- it's the only race of the year that starts in darkness and ends in light. Yeah, unusually. Uh, the race starts 5.45 in the morning, so you get a good 45 to an hour's worth of nighttime running, which a nighttime start is something, quite frankly. If you haven't seen it, you watch it for that alone because it's unbelievable. And it's the only it's the only nighttime running that the cars actually do for the entire weekend. So that, that first hour in the morning where they've got the headlights on and they're pounding around the mountain, you can see the sparks flying off the the edge of the cars as they come over McPhillamy. That's that's something absolutely special. And mm. as well, the the sunrise from the top of the mountain, like, mwah, mwah. you can't see oh. me, but I'm doing the full <laughs> chef's kiss right now. Especially in recent years where it's been baking sun, it's just been an absolutely clear red sky morning just phenomenal to look at absolutely now i love asking you this question chris chris because i know that i get a different answer each time what is your favorite part of the mount panorama circuit oh god yeah <laughs> give you a different answer every what single track time I... something different what part of the track haven't i said uh uh the run down from the from the S's down to... Well, the whole top of the mountain, essentially, but the S's down to Forest Elbow. 
that that it run is just the roller coaster of emotion. Yeah, that run, the run over the top of skyline through the dipper. That's that's cool. Mm. I gotta say, that's probably the best place to hear the cars. If you are going to be at the track, and at some point in your life, you better do it. If you ever like, you want to hear the cars that sound like proper race cars. That's where to do it because the, the concrete makes them echo the whole way through there, and it's it's terrifying because they're on full throttle straight down the hill. Yeah, um, those of you who remember, I talked about Daytona in the past as the sound echoing off the banking kind of like that yeah absolutely Except- reverberating off the trees and the hills and the concrete it's pretty wild pretty wild um and you know my answer to this is going to be philippe park because it's always philippe park oh well that was when we went that's where we sat yeah <laughs> i found a spot on the gates <laughs> of philippe and didn't move uh, yeah you just sat up there with your little camera and away it was, it was <laughs> set, great. I set up there for half the race I've got to actually make sure I get up there this year because the last two events, I haven't actually gone up the mountain. I've only spent the time down the bottom. So I've got to make sure that I get off of the leash for a little while and get up the mountain mm. for a bit. Especially now, because when we went, this event in the GT3 era was sort of in this infancy. wasn't a huge crowd up there. In recent years when COVID wasn't a thing, the crowds have been phenomenal and space has been getting harder and harder to find. Yeah, absolutely. I remember the the first year we went, we were able to put up our gazebo on the Saturday night before the event and still be in a good spot with a good sight line at the top of McPhillamy Park. I think that weekend had, what, like 16,000 people for the whole weekend? Um, yeah. In 2019, the last event I went as a fan, people had already lined the whole way across the top of the mountain with gazebos by Thursday evening. <laughs> So it's yeah, just a there's complete. Not, there's not even any track running then. No, no, there wasn't. It was just complete night and day, just with how much more the event has got, how much more eyes, how much more publicity, how much more internationality. Internationality is that a word? Um, it has has come to the Bathurst Twelve Hour. It is really, yeah, Australia's international endurance race. And given that this is the first time back in February, the proper date for what three, four years. The first time we've really welcomed the internationals back. This race is going to have a lot, of, lot more interest than we've seen in the past. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. There, there was last year we talked a lot about just getting the show back on the road with the pro am category and a big Australian local uh, focus. You know, we had one, t- two teams come from international. Uh, so we had Craft Bamboo from Hong Kong and we had Sun Energy One from America, and then. We had a few drivers make the trip over, but really it was an Australian domestic event. This year, even though it's only eight cars in the pro class, it has got that international flavor back. I think that's a really important part of the event's identity is that we have the best of the world taking on the best of Australia on this track. Yeah, and it's nice to have that back. I mean... Like you mentioned last year, it was really just Craft Bamboo. Sun Energy won. Kenny Hibble has a house on Mountain Straight. Or That's true. Straight, so Although he, he did count. say that he hadn't yet seen the house on Mountain Straight until he <laughs> arrived for the 12 hour. <laughs> I hope to have the money just put on a house sight unseen. Well, I mean, if it's on Mountain Straight, you know it's going to be pretty nice. Very true. Uh, but yeah, this time around, we have teams from Germany, Belgium, America, uh, Hong Kong again. Um, who else is coming along from overseas? I wrote a whole article about um, it. I should remember this better. <laughs> uh, and we've got a t- well, technically Papua New Guinea. Yeah, well, yeah, technically, technically, I guess. Yeah. Um. So we, yeah, we've got uh, 
the Belgian WRT. We got two teams from Hong Kong, actually. Craft Bamboo and Group M. Yep. And then we have Audi, who run under the Australian banner, but that's really a misnomer. They're just throwing everything they've got at this race, as they always do. Well, it's... Okay, so the thing is with the Audis, and we'll talk a bit more in depth about it when we come to them, that's actually... A Melbourne Melbourne Performance Centre are running that car with a Melbourne, uh, an Australian-based chassis. So it's an entirely Australian crewed car. They've just got, like, the big weeks from Germany and also the drivers to come over from overseas. Yeah, which, you know, is <laughs> the Audi way of doing things. That's exactly right, yeah. Um, yeah, so we got 28 cars this year, which is an eight-car improvement over last year. Still not quite at uh, the 39 cars that we had in uh 2020 the last time the event ran prior to the pandemic is that an issue is that something to 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 be worried about uh it's actually 26 cars we've had a couple of cars fall out late as well oh really oh i'm uh, yeah we yeah we lost the second Bam motorsport car the one i was going to enter in pro-am oh and the car there was the one car that was going to be a porsche cup the Yes, cloud. the the uh, uh, our cloud up to eleven, the Eric Constantinitis car, which was never going to happen if you know the history of that car and that organisation. But I don't want to get into that now because that could be a lawsuit. Oh, okay. I was not aware of this. <laughs> I'll blink you in later. Okay. Anyway, um, so yeah, we've got twenty six cars. Yes, the grid size is lower, but that is made up of twenty one GT three cars, which is a full grid in a lot of series. And when you consider we're still dealing with things from the pandemic and getting to Australia at the moment is bloody tough. I think this is a great sign, like a great rebuilding step for this race. Yeah, I I think that's a a pretty good assessment. We had had the year where we got things back going. We had the year where this will be the year that we welcome the internationals back. And then the next year will probably be the year that it comes back in full force. You know, it, it, it must be hard, you know, when you've got the Raw before the 24th, the Daytona 24 hours, this, Asian Le Mans series back-to-back, and then Kyle Army in the space of six weeks. Like, it, it, there's no way that you can... Yeah. There's no way you can do everything in that six weeks. There's just not enough cars yeah. or transport quickness, speed, ease to be able to do that. Plus, there's drivers doing the 3-3 three and three, Dubai, Daytona, Bathurst. yeah. They're going to be completely ruined. Yeah, you don't say. <laughs> not a bad, not a so, bad problem to have, though. True. So you know, it's, I think we're in. It's an interesting spot. Like Australia at the moment. Uh, Australia at the moment is a really tough place to go racing uh, for for an overseas driver, overseas teams, because freight costs have increased massive amount. The cost of buying stuff here and being here has increased dramatically over the last six months. I'm sure you've noticed that when you go out to buy a bag of chips. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Or whatever. I reckon at least 20% increase. So it's just not the most viable proposition for teams who are probably dealing with what they've dealt with for the last two years, trying to budget appropriately. GT3 is just getting more expensive as it is. So... I just don't think they've had enough lead time to get prepared for this race properly yet. But I can also make excuses for some of the teams who aren't here who have been here in the past. Teams like? Pretty pretty easily. Teams like, well, R Motorsport. Aren't they basically Jota? Well, yeah. And busy. 
that were the they're, last, they're busy. That, that were the last, yeah, that were the last Aston Martin uh, customer team to be here. And now the, the Aston Martin customers have chosen to race either at Daytona with uh, or Harder Racing mm-hmm. et al. And, and even TF Sport were racing at Daytona um, or Ooh. at the Asian Le Mans series. So they, they're not bringing a works team down at all. So there's no, there's no Aston Martins here. Mm. Other teams like KCMG, uh, they're busy doing other things at the moment. They were uh, teams like Triple F Racing Team that doesn't exist anymore because of moves that happened in the off season. Yeah, it's a very uh, interesting. It's very interesting time in GT3 at the moment because there's a, a, mm. a strong sense of transition of, of flux. You know, you've got uh, new cars in the form of the 911 GT2, the 296, the Ferrari, uh, Lamborghini going through a massive flux because of everything that's happening with G- GTP, LMDH, Hypercar, and LMH at the moment. These GT3, you know, systems are all in a, in a transition as well. So, you know, it, it doesn't... Yeah, and that was going to be my... And that was going to be my other point. This race uses cars from a previous ho- ho- homolog- oh, God, that word. Ho- homologation. Homologation cycle. Yeah. So if you ho- if you get a car set for Daytona, for example, the GT3, brand new GT3, you can't bring it to Bathurst. So if you've put, like Ferrari, for example, if you've put all this money, all this time into a new GT3 car, there's not really much of an incentive to bring an old one out here. Yeah, this is true. And the only way you're going to have that happen is if a customer who has the car wants to bring it and race it. And there, as far as I can recall, there's no uh, Ferrari 488 GT3s in Australia, at least not that I've seen racing in the past 12 to 18 months. So yeah, it doesn't surprise Mm. me at all that there's no Ferrari here. Or for that matter, no Bentley, no Aston Martin, no McLaren, uh, no... um, uh, Lamborghini, we may mention no Acura or Honda. There, there's a lot of there's a lot of no's here um, because cars cars either haven't been brought up by Australian customers simply because GT3 isn't yet at well isn't the the focus of racing in Australia because you've got supercars taking a large amount of that uh, that uh, market share, which is now also being competed by TCR. Um, but also the customers who would have those cars are either racing in Asia or in Daytona. So it, it doesn't surprise me, but it does show though the teams who have come that the quality is there and that Bathurst is a draw card. You know, teams like WRT and Manti don't just turn up for a laugh. No, they turn up to win slash dominate slash destroy the competition. Absolutely. So 20, 26 cars, eight of which are pro. That's, that's, it's still a, it's, it's still a decent, decently sized grid and as we saw last year it only takes two cars to to put on a cracking motor race uh that is very true and we've seen that and, and that's a you know that's a lesson we've learned all through time and was a like gap last year three tenths of a second into between you know two Audis, and the end of that race last year was pretty phenomenal so oh <laughs> it doesn't take much chris i'm gonna i'm gonna make you hate me it was seven seconds and it was between two mercedes <laughs> but they, i was i was misremembering that entirely they were setting 203s the entire last yes. hour of that race jules gunong and mario angle who have just won the 24 hours of daytona not not what, what are we doing? We're doing this at 8 p.m. So they've won it 14 hours ago as teammates in the mm-hmm. WeatherTech racing car. Spoilers, by the way, if you haven't watched the end of Daytona. Um, and they're going to yeah. be adversaries once again uh, in, what, five days' time for the Bathurst 12-hour. Uh, and, like, that's yep. that's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. I think, as well, what makes this place so special as a race is you can never take it easy around here. Never. 
even if it looks like they're, you know, 12, 15, 18 seconds up the road, you know they're working bloody hard behind the wheel to not put that thing to the fence. Yeah, it's it's a bit of a unique challenge. Like, people talk about it as Australia's answer to the, the Nordschleifer or the Spa-Francorchamps, but really, it's a bit more like Australia's answer to uh, Road Atlanta, where you've got this yeah. difficult technical section that's high speed and undulating, but it's matched up with these long straights that break it all up. It's, it's a very difficult sort of mental challenge because you're kind of on and off and on and off. But even still, the, the bits at the bottom of the hill are as hard as the bits at the top of the hill. Yeah. I kind of likened it to kind of cross between Road America and Road Atlanta. Yeah. Good call. Road America, you've got those really wide open stretches as well. And the undulation is America. Road America is fantastic. But we're getting sidetracked. <laughs> we are. We are indeed. We should talk about a few of the um, particular rules about this as a GT race as opposed to some of the other GT3 uh, GT3 races like Daytona and the Nürburgring 24 hours um, because there are a few things that got introduced last year that have been maintained and a few things um, that are a bit different to how a normal GT3 event is done. And one of the key factors is going to be drive time with a bunch of new regulations that were brought in last year. Chris, just walk us through what has been uh, decided on for the drive time, the stint lengths for this year's race so basically rules have been put in place to ensure the bronze driver has a bit more say for the lower categories and the outcome of the race as well as ensuring you know an even split amongst the three drivers so no driver can exceed more than 340 minutes or five hours 40 minutes behind the wheel so it's a fair chunk of the race but you can't do more than 150 minutes or two and a half hours at any one time that's been brought in because in the past, and we see it in other GT3 races, you do a stint, you change driver. You do a stint, you change driver. That gives teams the opportunity to double stint their drivers. Bit of a strategy play. Yeah. And that's something that when they tried to bring in that that GT3 rule here, the fans were in, uh, up in arms, basically picketing the, the GT3 honchos to change it. And they did. And there's a rule which I really like, and I know you do too. Bronze drivers have to do at least an hour of drive time in the second half of the race. There's a talking about that's, you know, ensuring they have a part to play in the outcome of the race. And that's really, and I, I really like that as a rule because it means, they, you know, they're really pivotal to have their team's performance. You can't just chuck him in at the start, a la Ed Brown at Daytona for those years ago. <laughs> Oh, that wasn't that wasn't even a stint. That was two laps under caution. True. I remember that very True. vividly. Uh, yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting thing uh, and a, a little bit of a key difference. You don't see that in other rules around or well, other rule sets uh, around the world. Um, it's it's something that's it's pretty unique to this race. And uh, yeah, I think a good change. Uh, we saw how much that affected last year's race as well with um, Kevin Say having to do his uh, hour of running a bit later because of the way that they had Craft Bamboo would run their stints. Um, and then that was just enough for Lucas Stoltz to get ahead of the, the Craft Bamboo car in the Sun Energy One car, which was then enough for that to be the pass of the race. So you know, those those little things are, are key points. And you know keep that in mind because last year, uh, the Audis ran afoul of those rules uh, with regards to stint lengths for the AM drivers and lost the race because of it. So, you know, it, yes. it's... It's it's not something that should be like frivolous, frivolously thrown away. That's that's a key part of um of making sure that you get through the race. 
and if you're watching, you know, the TV broadcast, Chad Maylon, for example, will keep a not cross that all day, just keeping me updated what the, what they're up to. So that the Australian Australian broadcasting will have a massive handle on how that's tracking. Yeah, I, and it's it not does, easy to work out. It, it does tickle me quite a fair bit that uh, the Australian broadcasting gets a big rap by everyone who watches internationally, just because how good it is, and we just go, yeah, that's just what we get for motorsport. How good? How good? <laughs> It's going to be really... Yeah. Um, another another two key things, three key things that we should mention is uh, firstly the pit stops. Now, last year, there was a mandatory requirement of nine 120-second pit stops. Or is it eight? Anyway, a, a certain amount of 120-second pit stops. Uh, that has been abolished. So the tr- teams have free reign over what stops they take and when, which is, I think, a good thing if we're moving to a full pro, um, a full pro setup. Um also, something that you and I will know very well, but might be a bit odd to our international audiences, is that under safety car, when the lights go out, you are what, Kiwi? You are not allowed to weave to warm your tyres. You're not allowed to weave to warm your tyres, exactly. Uh, once the safety so car stop lights doing go out... That. <laughs> so stop doing that, Captain. That's a cheer. Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah, once the safety car lights go out, and they'll normally go out at the chase... You are no longer allowed to weave your tires. You must form up in a single line and restart. And we have seen time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. International drivers don't get briefed on it. They weave after the cars, the lights go out, the safety car lights go out, and they get pinged for it. And it's a bad time. So it's an, it's an automatic, no, you know, automatic next lap drive through the penalty. What, yeah. You know, it's just such an easy way to kill your race. Exactly. Exactly. So. Keep your eye out for that if you're an international viewer. And when it happens, you can say, I knew that was going to happen because these two random Australian, well, people living in Australia told me that it would. Sorry, Kiwi. Yes. <laughs> that's, all, that's fine. Okay. I'm perfectly Aussie now. <laughs> You've been naturalized. Oh, how unfortunate. <laughs> I've been, I, I know, right? <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, we should talk about some of the cars and the drivers, <laughs> pardon me, that are going to be we in should. this race. We should. Be- because... It's a strong grid. It's a strong grid. We made mention uh, 26 cars, eight all-pro entries from four manufacturers from four different parts of the world. It's going to be... like The quality is reminding me of the quality that we used to have uh, pre-pandemic. So it's going to be quite a, quite a show. We've got, uh, I think, three cars from Mercedes, an Audi, uh, a car from Porsche, and two BMWs. And does that, does that math check out? Might be too, might be two. Too... I should know this. Um, I, I wrote the article for it on Daily Sport. I should know what, this. There's four Mercs, four two Beamers, a Porsche, and then yeah, four Mercs, a Beamer, an Audi, two Porsche. Yes, there we go. So, Chris, where should we start with our GT GT Pro class? Well, let's start with the reigning champions from. Oh no, they're not pro. Let's start with the yes, they BMW. are BMW. Well, can he hit ball? Yeah, he can be pro if he wants to. He can leave his bronze behind because if the bronze don't <laughs> dance and if they don't dance, then he's no bronze of mine. Okay, fine. We'll start with the uh, Sun Energy One, Acodus a- a- ASP. I still can't get over that name. Acodus a- ASP team. Card number seventy-five. Jules Gunan, Kenny Hibble, Lucas Stoltz. <laughs> How wild is it that Kenny Hibble has a Bathurst twelve-hour win? Didn't have to take. Didn't have to take his trophy far to get home. Yeah, that's true. But that is. Walked up the road, you know, but yeah, they won. They won last race or last year because of well, they were firstly pretty competitive, and Kenny Habul is a bronze in name only. 
Let's well, be real. That's he, not that's not entirely true. He is a very consistent, very fast bronze driver, and those two things you don't, you normally only get one of those with the bronze driver, but he has both. Mm. So he he is a very good shout. Yeah, and Jules and I, Lucas Stoltz, we know what they do. We know they do it well, and then we know they do it quick. Exactly, and I mean, as I said, Jules Gunon uh, won Bathurst in 2020, uh, did the last in in the Bentley, got a puncture in the last in in the Bentley, came into pit and still managed to win the race um, as the the heavens opened in that race. Last year, withstood an hour of barrage from Mauro Engel, and then just last week was paired up with Engel and Junkadella in a WeatherTech Racing uh, Mercedes-AMG and won the Daytona 24 hours. At the moment, he's having like a, a Alessandro Pierguidi season, season from last last season or like Kevin Esch from mm. two seasons ago where he's just in the absolute peak of his form and if you put him in at the last stint and he's got any sort of advantage, I wouldn't put it past that team to win again. Even with Kenny Hubble. Definitely not. And I think that's something we should touch on. This race is as much about getting your bronze driver time done or your silver driver time done early to give you a shot to be there at the end of the race because you know you're going to be bunched up together with a few hours to go. So if you can get to the end of the seventh hour and your bronze is done, you're a good a chance to win as anybody. Well, that's not necessarily true that it's going to be all squeezed up for the last hour because... You know, in the in the last few editions, like last year, we didn't have a safety car for the last three hours. The the time before, it was actually the Bentley sister car that caused the last safety car, and that was with four and a half hours remaining. So it's not a guarantee anymore. So it's 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 one of those things where it sounds good in theory, but really, what's going to be uh what's going to be the key is going to be inherent car pace, and if you've got a driver that who can exploit that. So it's 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 going to be. Yeah, it's, it's it's certainly an interesting sort of dichotomy there because it's kind of run against what you would expect from Bathurst. Yeah, and I suppose with a smaller grid than we've had in the past with less slower cars, a lot of inverted commas going on here. Yeah. Is, I can sort of see the less the lesser safety cars being a, being a factor, but that car is definitely not one to write off just because of Kenny Abel. Yeah, that's the thing, though. Like, how much of an anchor is Ken- Kenny Habul going to be? Yeah. <laughs> given that I think that... Given that I don't think the winner could necessarily come from the pro class, I don't think it's going to matter quite so much. Whoa! Okay. I may have just given a spoiler to my thoughts here. Okay, well, okay. We know what Chris is thinking. Okay, well, that's that's Sub Energy 1 uh, Mercedes. Let's go to the second place car from last year, the Mercedes-AMG Craft Bamboo team, also on the Mercedes, funnily enough. Uh, this car has none of the drivers from last year's effort, I, if I recall correctly. Uh, this year, it has... Nikki Katzberg, Daniel Junkadella, and uh, filling in at the very last minute, uh, Philip Ellis, who is uh, taking on the position of uh, Luca Aura, who uh, broke his back in Daytona uh, in the, in the, uh, the practice session, I think. So that is the Craft Bamboo Racing car. Um, so no Daryl O'Young. Oh, sorry, no. Daryl O'Young is the team owner. Don't mind me. Um, no Kevin Say. Uh, he's in another car, and no Mauro Engel. And uh, did, was Yukadilla in that car last year? Perhaps uh, last year he was. Okay, so that that is quite yes. true. Yukadilla is yeah. So Yukadilla carries on. 
still quite quite an impressive team uh, with Katzberg and Junkadella. Ellis, I've not really seen hmm. race too much. He he was meant to be a Daytona and the Winwood Racing Machine. I've just had a complete mental break. I didn't watch the end of that race. I don't know how that ended. Neither. <laughs> no. No. Um, I know that Junkadella won. Eight, and then Winwood Racing was going to be was a team that Lucas Al was meant to race with. Okay, yeah. So, so, he, so I he think was, he drafted in. Well, he was he was part of the um the team Winwood Racing for DTM as well. So yes, yes. Um, he's going to be solid, but the other eh, he's no worse than Kenny Hibble, Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, so if you're going to give Kenny. If you're going to give Kenny Hibble a chance, you've got to give this car an absolute chance. Well, I, I would say, I would I mean, argue I, with Jorgadella and Katzberg, that's probably a better overall lineup than even than Gunon and Stoltz, perhaps? Yeah, I, I agree with that. Uh, Nicky Katzberg. Although, we've always said he's really, really awesome behind the wheel. Can you remember him doing anything really spectacular in recent years? Um... Didn't he win Daytona recently with Corvette? I mean, 2021, yes. Yeah, and then he won Sebring last year with Corvette. Yeah, there you go. That answers your question, right? <laughs> so, like, it's not like he's... He's not like he's a nuffy. No. Uh, yeah. So that car should be right in with the contention. As well. Into the race. Yeah, absolutely. Um, also on this grid, funnily enough, was a third place car from last year, also a Mercedes, which... If you were watching last year, was a surprise to everyone uh, because that was not how that was meant to go. Triple Eight Race Engineering are bringing along two cars: one Pro, one Pro Am. We'll talk about the Pro Am car later. The Pro car features uh, both uh, of Triple Eight's Supercars races. Uh, uh, Brock Feeney, who won the last round of last season on the streets of Adelaide, which was amazing, and Shane Van Gisbergen, who was the championship winner by a long way, and the Bathurst champion last year. And they're joined by Maximilian Gotts, uh, who is one of Mercedes' longest-standing professional professionals. Uh, I, I think I, we were talking about Maximilian Gotts as a driver in 2016, as one of the brand-new, up-and-coming, crazy drivers uh, out of mm. Germany. And he's just kept at that level that whole time. So uh, he is certainly going to be one to watch. Uh, as part of the international flavor of the event, Triple Eight have not won this event as Triple Eight Race Engineering. Um, they have won it as the team running Marinello Motorsport, but not as Triple Eight Race Engineering. Chris, what, how do you rate their chances? I, I would rate them higher if Brock Feeney wasn't in this car. Really? What makes and you that's say that? a, I know that's crazy to say. But how many... Let's not think, Brock Feeney's only, what, 20? Yeah. How, how many GT3s do you think he's driven? Uh, one. One. He's, he's still learning. I would have much rather see someone like a Stanaway in this car. Um, yeah, funny you say that. Think of the, yeah, I, I mean, I'll we'll get to that later. But <laughs> <laughs> I think he's just... Yeah, look, he raced here... In 2020, or Brock Feeney, this is, race here in 2020 in the Mark II Mustang. One is class, but that doesn't really count all, for much. All the other Mark class. cars, all the other Mark cars you, that you had major problems. So that was the last Mark standing, effectively. 
Yeah. Uh, he hasn't really raced. He's raced no other GT car from what I can tell. He did race. So, I'll, I'll fill you in a little bit because he did race yeah. uh, Bathurst 12-hour last year. So he was in this car with um, Van Gisbergen and Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim. Uh, and he also, oh, yes, of course. He also raced a, a round of the GT World Challenge Australia at the bend um, and took a race victory. Uh, after that car was penalized for contact on lap one. Uh, and so he he was able to charge down Jamie Winkup and uh, Fraser Ross and made an audacious last lap pass into turn one, where I was marshalling, by the way, uh, and got the win on the last lap. So I yeah. I think you're slightly underselling him. However, I can see sense your reservation and I can see where that comes from. Yeah. And of course, last year he did finish, what, third in this race? Yeah. And the triple eight race engineering car with French Jeffrey. So, but if I remember correctly, his pace wasn't quite there last year. A lot of the heavy lifting was done by Gizzy, yeah. who, by the way, has conquered yet another race discipline. <laughs> yeah, that's nuts, isn't it? For those so, who are underwear. Yeah, for those for those playing along at home, Shane Van Gisbergen for the past 18 months has won uh, a bunch of supercars races, a few GT uh, GT3 races. Uh, he won the uh, Grand Prix of New Zealand in 2022, which is open wheelers. He won a stage, well, a stage and also an event of the New Zealand Rally Championship or the Australian Rally Championship. Um, he's, um, he's, he's driven WRC2. Driven WRC2, won a stage in that. Uh, and very recently won his first sprint car event. I remember seeing a comment saying, get this guy over to American Lawnmower Racing, but the only thing he hasn't done. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> and this is on top of like <laughs> racing racing GTE in Le Mans and everything as well. It's kind of wild uh, yeah. for old Van Gisbergen. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I reckon yeah. SVG will probably do a lot of the heavy lifting in that car as well, even with Gots in the, in the team. Uh, I don't. I think I. I think that's the best car that we've discussed so far. But I just don't know if I can quite see it on top without a few things going their way. Well, fair enough. Well, let's move on to the the last of the Mercedes in the Pro Class. Then uh, Group M Racing out of Hong Kong. They were their Hong Kong flag, but uh, a pretty uh, German flavor in this one. This has got uh, Raffaele Marchiello, Mikel Grenier, and Mauro Engel in the Triple Nine car. Now, that is a scary lineup. If you haven't thought that the other lineups have been scary, <laughs> that is a scary lineup. Yeah, Mikhail Grenier is a fairly new name to me, but I'll trust you saying he's scary. He's he's done, what, DTM last year? A lot of retirements. Yeah, well, I mean, that's 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 just DTM. It's basically touring cars with GT3 machines. Uh, you say a lot, a lot of retirements, but he's also taken a few, um, a lot of points finishes as well. Mm-hmm. So, I think that we're seeing a theme here, aren't we? Two ridiculous drivers and one sort of the next tier down, for want of a better word. Yeah, I guess that's a fair place to call it. Yeah, and I think Mikhail Grenier is definitely in that next tier, but the other two, oh boy. Yeah, you've basically got Mr. Macau and Mr. Bathurst Antagonist, <laughs> really. <laughs> yes. And, and there's a bit of stick. Hey. There's a bit of stick in that as well, because uh, of course, Mara Engel and Shane Van Gisbergen were in the same car in 2017, um, and Shane put it in the wall late in the race, and Engel blew up. He absolutely blew up, and and like on live television to the live broadcasters said all that he's seen from Shane this weekend is a lot of mistakes. So 
There's a bit of stick there. Just a touch. <laughs> Engel v SVG last stint this year. Oh boy. Don't get me excited, man. <laughs> Imagine that. Well, like, no, uh, well, you'll you, be there. If you look at it, you could you could literally have all three winners of Daytona in three different cars fighting with a Shane Van Gisbergen in the last stint of the race, just in Mercedes. And that's why we love this race. It's it's nuts, isn't it? Um, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna move on pretty quickly because we're already like we've already waffled on far too much. Two cars. From BMW Team WRT, the debut of the BMW M4 GT3 on Australian shores. Uh, it's the first time that BMW have been here with a factory team since 2020. The first time WRT has been here since 2018. And Chris, just off the top of your head, do you remember that result for WRT in 2018? Uh, wasn't that the glorious victory their glorious victory yes indeed that was when they won due to a late red flag but still that was a pretty pretty solid result if you don't say so yourself mm-hmm. two cars here the number 32 you do say so yourself fantastic uh <laughs> number 32 uh sheldon vanderlinde reigning dtm champion dries vantor and charlie verts uh number 46 of course of with course valentino rossi if you don't mind Along with Maxime Martin and Augusto Farfus, the guy who literally took a BMW drive because he wanted to race at Bathurst. I mean, apart from the obvious Valentino Rossi, because I'm still not sold on him as GT3 just yet, but he's Valentino Rossi, right? Yeah, he's Valentino Rossi. (laughs) Uh, But the other other five drivers, oh boy. There's yeah. not a weak link amongst them. No, not at all. I mean, Dries Vantor won the 12-hour on his first attempt with WRT. Charlie Verts, uh, or Charles Verts, tomato potato, he's been a consistent performer in WRT machinery for a while. Uh, Sheldon Vanderlinder is the brother the of Kelvin Vanderlinder, and also, as we may mention, DTM champion. And you don't just become DTM champion. It's... it's, it's oh, That 32 car is scary. Yeah, that's... It's phenomenal. And that 46 won't be far behind, uh, you know, depending how quickly Valentino Rossi comes to grips with this place, because I feel like this will be the scariest place he's raced. It would certainly be up there. I mean, I, I don't think, I can't <laughs> yeah. recall him doing too much other GT3 racing just yet. No. Um, okay. He's probably raced scarier places on a bike. That's I mean, true. I'm just, thinking of what happened, I'm just thinking of what happened at Austria when he nearly got taken out mid-air by another bike, but... This place is going to be something else for him. And I hope you get to have a chat to him at some point. I think everyone will be trying to have a chat with him at some point. <laughs> yeah, you can just let your press fast card. I mean, even still. <laughs> even still. Um, yeah, it's going to be yeah. pretty wild. And like, what a draw for the event as well to have someone of his stature mm. come in and, and declare his interest in racing it. Oh, yeah, for sure. It just shows that it doesn't matter what you race, you want to race here. Yeah, absolutely. Do you, can you imagine racing a bike around Mount Panorama? You know they used to, right? I do. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> Yo, I can't think of anything scary. And I think there was talk somewhere along the line of doing it, of bringing the bikes back. Like, surely not. Ah! <laughs> yeah, that... Uh, I'm sure the, I remember seeing something like that. That's a, that's Even a, that's, a push bike would be scary around there. That's a no from me, dog. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Ugh, but yeah. 
scary lineups. We'll move on from BMW. Uh, we've got a, a Porsche and an Audi to finish off the pro entry list. Let's talk Audi Sport Team Melbourne Performance Center. Uh, the fully international car is the 74, which is the pro car. And that has Matteo Drudi, Christopher Haas, and Patrick Niederhauser behind the wheel. Uh, that is a, a pretty solid lineup. Uh, and it's great to see one of the Christophers back. We see the other Christopher back in another car. Um, but I'm not quite sure that that's the strongest pro lineup that they could have brought with them, Chris. I tend to agree. Uh, I think a lot of it come, comes down to who's paying. Yeah. Uh, if you look at, say, their pro entries, potentially. But also, there's a couple of Audi drivers who are sitting on the sideline here who I think could have fit into that quite nicely ahead of someone like a Niederhauser. Mm. Uh, the one that comes to mind for me, first of all, is uh, Marcus Winkelhock, who is yeah. the equal most in- experienced international driver in the Bathurst 12-hour history. Um, and he doesn't get a look in, which is a shame because I, 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 I like Winkelhock. Yeah, I don't, I'm not sure. I think he might be taking a step back given he's getting on a bit. That's true. He is like 40 now. Yes. But I still expect that car It's an Audi. You've got to be near the near the pointy end. Well, is this a signal then that Audi's GT3 time is coming to a close? You know, we we saw a big Pro-Am contingent of Audis last year, uh, which is maintained this year. But, you know, with WRT moving on, uh, Phoenix has been focusing on development of the GT4. Uh, we've seen, you know, there are other... There are other um, Customers, who are their other main customers then? If they're not WRT and Phoenix Racing, it, it it seems like the Audi GT3 is kind of going out with a whimper. Like, what's what's coming ne- out next after the Audi R8, which has been around since That's true. 2009? That's true because you've got the other makes bringing out new cars. Audi, there's been nothing from them, and because they're talking about you know GTP slash DP or whatever prototype they're going to want to use, plus Formula One. Maybe there's not a desire to go GT3 racing as much anymore, and I think that might be a real shame. Yeah, absolutely. They've been kind of the stalwart GT3 brand. I mean, them along with Porsche. Mm. is And, like, it was rare that you used to come across a, a GT grid without one of those cars in the mix, so... I mean, there's, there's hundreds of them still worldwide in use. I'm not That's true. concerned about them disappearing entirely. But yeah, it's just maybe it's on the way out. Yeah, and like as you may mention, there's a, a bunch of drivers left in the stable that I feel could slot into that one of the well, this car in particular, and improve it. Which is not something I've said yeah. about Audis a lot in the past. They tend to they they tend to go ham. Mm. And mm. I guess the other thing with the Audi around here is they've never really had the straight line pace of the other cars. Yes, That's it's a balance of performance thing, but it's hard to get past someone when you can't beat them in a straight line. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, Audi hasn't taken a victory here since that WRT victory in 2018. And that was as much on strategy and a little touch of luck as opposed to anything else. Mm. So, jury's out on Audi. Um, We still have one more entry in the pro list, and I am very excited about this one. This was the first announced (laughs) entry once entries opened. Um, This is Manti EMA Motorsport. Yes, that Manti, the Grello car is coming back to Mount Panorama and with it, Bathurst 12-hour winner, Matt Campbell, Matteo Jaminet and Thomas Prining. Oh boy. Now, oh, now, about four years ago, 
we see that all these drivers were Porsches up and comers. They're, Look at where they are now. Yeah, making waves. Look <laughs> at where they are now. A, you got one in a GTP. Two in a GTP. The other two are just... Oh, two in a GTP, sorry, a Gemini as well, yeah? And Thomas Prining, who's just brilliant in a GT3 car. I'm excited to see what these guys can do. Absolutely. This is going to be one of those cars that gets people talking and keeps people talking just from the way it, not just from the way it looks, but the way it's going to be at the top of the timesheets. Like, yeah, uh, Matt Campbell and Matteo Giamone have had a, a massively uh, impressive partnership in IMSA competition, in, in ELMS and all that sort of stuff. And Prining has been winning everything in Porsches since he won the, uh, the uh, Super Cup in 2018. So like, Paint that thing green and yellow and let it ride. I'm so excited. <laughs> yes. Oh, I cannot wait. It's probably going to be the most visible car in the early morning too. So bring it on. Absolutely. Oh, I don't know. Have you seen the the WRT um the WRT BMWs? They've got a lot of colours on them. Oh, of the course they do the BMWs. <laughs> and I mean, I've got a big fat forty yellow forty six on the side as well. <laughs> Very true. Uh, so, with the 8-car pro class done and dusted, where's your pick? Where's your money at, Chris? It's For me, it's between the 912 that we just discussed and the 32. The 32? The, um, the, yeah, the Vanderland Vanthal Verts. The, the non-Rossi WRT car. Yeah. Not, and not, I'm just going to be... I'm going to put it... Sorry? Not going to go anywhere near a, a Mercedes? I just feel like they've got... If I was trading it out of five stars, I feel like they're four and a half stars compared to the five-star lineups of those two. Yeah, okay, that's fair. I'd pay that. Um, and if you make me pick, I'm going to say the 912. The 912? Good, good pick, good pick. Yeah. Um, I tend to agree with you, but I'd also throw the 999 in there as well, the Group M Racing. Um, even though the other three Mercedes were on the podium last year, I still think that the 999 has a better driver lineup. I know. Okay. I hate myself for it. Yeah, crazy. <laughs> I'm going against Shane Van Gisbergen. This feels wrong. I know, right? What the hell? <laughs> um, but again, going back to what I said before, that's not a guarantee they'll win the race. This is true. This is true. The mountain does funny things. Mm. And like, it, it, it will do funny things in ways that you don't expect. Because last year, every single session was topped by an Audi. Until the race. And part of it was them shooting themselves in the foot. Part of them was just Mercedes, the Mercedes teams doing a great job of positioning their cars in strategy. But also, like, the things that went wrong were not entirely in their control. Like, the, the, the tyre delamination at the top of McPhillamy, like, that's that, that's a hard, uh, that's a bitter pill to swallow. And, you know, that's that's something that can just happen at Bathurst. Uh, and the, the, the mm. saying is off that the mountain chooses its winners. And... You know, it could choose someone and then decide at the halfway point that no, we we don't want we're not choosing you anymore. Yeah, that's actually in the history of this race many many years. Mm, absolutely. Uh, now, Pro Am, Pro Am is interesting because we see a lot of the teams that operated in Pro Am last year make a return. So we've got I think another eight cars in the Pro Am. 
uh, three Audis, three Mercedes, and two, uh, well, one Porsche now, because the second Earl Bamba car you made mention has uh, not materialized, which is unfortunate. Um, so, uh, seven car entry. That's that's a that's not a not a bad grid in in pro am. That's in fact exactly as much in many pro ams as we had back in twenty twenty. And considering that pro am GT three rating is the backbone of GT threes down here, mm, you got indeed. pretty much everyone who's in GT three racing here in pro am classes in this race, in one form or another. Most most are you are correct. There's a few there's a few missing pieces, um, but for the most part, teams have either combined or uh, yeah entered on their own volition, which I think is a is a, a pretty strong mm. thing and shows the domestic support for this event um, on the undercard because yeah, it's it's an important part of of the event is the the Australian flavor, and this is where the Australian flavor gets to show. Um, so where do we want to start? Uh, do we want to just go top to bottom, or do we want to pick out manufacturers, yeah. or do we want to pick out favorites? Now, I'm gonna, I'll pick out the favourite, and it happens to be the, numerically the first one anyway. Not favourite because I think it'll do well, but favourite because I love the team and I love the car. The That's number four, Grove Racing Porsche. Yes, the the car with the boxing kangaroo off the side. Stephen Grove, Brendan Grove, and mm. joining them this year, Anton Di Pasquale, who's uh, one of the uh, DJR Team Penske drivers in... Oh, no, sorry, DJR drivers, because that's not a thing anymore, um, in the Supercars Championship. Had a bit of an unimpressive season last year in supercars, did Anton? But mm. a run in the in the uh, Gulf Twelve Hours, where or uh, was it the Dubai Twenty Four or the Gulf Twelve? I think it was the Dubai Twenty Four, where he made a pass late on in the piece to snatch fourth position. Mm-hmm. And Stephen and Brenton Grove, they've done things overseas. They've like Stephen Grove's raced anywhere he can get to. He's raced Super Cup in Monaco. He's come third in the international in the FIA Motorsport Games with Brenton. He's yeah, you know these guys. They're amateurs, but they know how to race. Stephen Grove owns a supercars team now and is putting that team up and making them, I reckon, a force to be reckoned with and potentially the team to beat in the next five years. Absolutely. That's how highly I rate him as an operator. And as well, he was uh, racing in uh, the spa 24 last year both steven and brenton um with that car so mm. it's it's these are certainly serious serious and did you know that steven grove has the most class wins in the bathurst 12-hour history not a surprise because normally he buys his buys the best the best co-drive that money can buy but yeah. even so that's still pretty impressive you remember when we were doing <laughs> we used to do this one like seven or eight years ago when uh porsche Clarion cup was a a key class, and we'd always was be like, thing? oh, yeah, here's, here's Stephen and Brenton Grove with Ben Barker, Alexandra Imperatore, <laughs> Scott McLaughlin for some reason. It was just like, we used to yeah. say, if this class didn't win this class, something's gone horribly wrong, and most of the time we were right. Yeah, especially when it, even when it did go horribly wrong. <laughs> um, I, am a, I am a little surprised that the young protege isn't in this car, Matt Payne. Yeah, me too, uh, f- uh, for... Uh, to, to tell you the truth, um, Matt Payne would have been a good inclusion because he does have ties mm. with Elbamba Motorsport already. He came up through their Carrera Cup program. So that does surprise me a little bit. But, you know, Matt Payne, Anthony and, and, and this is going for Unless they're going full, full steam and heading in and ready for Gen 3, but ADP is the much better driver of the two for now. For now. I'd say, I, I'd argue that for maybe now. not in GT3s, but for now. I'll give you for now. Um, yeah. We'll move on from the number four. We'll just go down the list to the number nine. Another car with uh, some impressive 
Bath- Bathurst uh, history behind it. This is the Hallmark Racing uh, Audi R8 LMS uh, of Mark Tini, and he's bringing along with him Dean Fiore and Lee Holdsworth, who I think drove with Tini uh, last year as well. Uh, now, what fun fact am I about to share with everyone, uh, Chris? Something to do with how many years they've raced at this track or something? You're pretty close. Mark Sini will become the uh, the, dri- the driver with the most entries to the Bathurst 12-hour with this entry uh, for, for this week. Wow. I would just think had the Hilltops hood, hoods in my ear then. How long have you been here? I've been here for years. <laughs> well, describes this thing. Describes ex- this thing pretty well. Exactly. He uh, he has been, I think it will, it will be his 11th start uh, in 12 editions of the 12-hour since the GT3 era started in 2012. Um, so he will hold hmm. that record by himself. Uh, and he's taken, I don't think he's actually taken a class victory in that time. So, unfortunately. No, he's not the, he's not the quickest am out there. But he's not going to do anything stupid. He, the other two drivers, solid. Liz Hogworth is now stepping down from full-time supercars driving. So his career's on the way out, I guess. But I expect that car to be contending for a pro and podium. And I think that would be a, a fair result for them as well. I, I, I think that's uh, that's something mm. that they can, they can aspire to. Uh, next up on the entry list is a team um, from Volante, uh, Volante Rosso Motorsport. Now, this is a big move in the Australian GT uh, scene. Um, this car is going to be the mm-hmm. Makita-sponsored car of the two. Um, let me just find it just to make sure of that. Um, and it's the number 24 car. Now, for those who have been following the Australian GT scene, the number 24 car is normally the Tony Bates-driven Audi this year, he has swapped mm. to a Mercedes AMG for the first time and come in under the Volante Rosso Motorsport banner. Uh, so a big change for Tony Bates. That car, he's been driving Audis for as long as I've been covering the Australian GT series. So the last four years at least, but longer than that, surely. Um, and he brings along with him an established uh, racer in David Reynolds, uh, who is part of the Grove V8 Supercars team. Um, and as well as exciting a young driver, Jordan Love, who was driving yes. with, uh, I believe it wasn't the Groves, it was another team at the Spa 24 Hour in a Silver Cup car, which actually led for a period of time. Mm-hmm. Um, now, Valente Rosso themselves as a team is a team probably not familiar to many. many. Mm. Now, I'll, have, I'll talk about... But I'll talk about them a bit later when we talk about their Silver Cup entry because it'll make okay. a bit more sense then. Um, uh, but yep. this is... Okay, cool, yep. I would expect, I would expect great things from this team um, and I'm going to put that out there. Uh, so even though it's a new car to Tony Bates, even though it's a Pro-Am car, even though it's you know a team still finding its feet, it would not surprise me in the slightest to see that car on the podium, especially with the likes of David Reynolds and Jordan Love behind yep. the wheel. Yep. So that car I expect to be close to a podium. I just don't know like Tony Bates is another one of those not quick and especially in a, in a brand new car to him it's a fair bit bigger I'm not sure I'll see this car at the end of the 12 hours fighting for a podium oh, as we'll much see. as I 
wanted to. We'll see. The problem is there are some like just absolutely stonking pro am teams that we haven't yet got to, and the <laughs> next the next one on the list is certainly one of those. It is the number triple seven car, uh, the Ben Motorsport Park by Team Melbourne Performance Centre. Uh, the AM driver is the reigning SRO GT World Challenge Australia champion Yasser Shahin, who owns the bend, or well, his brother owns the uh, owns the bend. It's, 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 it's- it's complicated. <laughs> Owns the bend, and the two pro drivers in that car are the equal most experienced international driver, Christopher Meese, who has won this event twice, and the young up-and-coming upstart from the Audi factory team, Ricardo Feller. That yeah. could legitimately be a pro-cast entry, and I don't think anyone will bat an eye. They could... That- when I was talking before about a pro-am car potentially winning the race, this is the one I had my eye on. This is the one, yeah. Yeah. This Yasser Shahin is no mug. And the other two are just ridiculous. And Christopher Meese has been here racing GTs here for as long... Like, he's done it for seasons in the past. In 2017, I think it was? I think he's earlier than that, but yeah. Oh, yeah. He's raced here for a couple of seasons. <laughs> he knows the Australian motorsport scene. He knows how to get it done here. Oh god, I love this car so much. It's it's kind of terrifying that this is in pro am. It's kind of terrifying. <laughs> um, it's not breaking the rules. It's just there. It's it's just there. Yeah, hands are silver. It's fine. Um, easily, I think the best, or maybe not easily, arguably the best amateur driver in Australia. I think one of three that you could make that argument about. But mm-hmm. you know, the other three don't have the likes of. Yeah, two-time champion and ten-time entrant Christopher Meese, and also the next Lawrence Vantor, Ricardo Feller. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like that. that as long as he's trying to finish this race on his roof. That's yeah, that's the kind of quality we're talking about here. Um, that car, yeah. that car should have won last year. I will uphold that. That car should have won last year, and it was mm-hmm. because of an administration mistake that they didn't. And yeah, yeah. that is which is unlike NPC. Well, it's unlike Audi. I'm not sure if it's unlike NPC because I don't think NPC have ever been put in that position before. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true, true. But yeah. they're usually an incredibly professional run outfit. So. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, 777, watch for that to mix it with the pros. The next car as well is Indeed. probably also another car you could see mixing with the pros. The number 55 Schumacher Motorsports Fuchs Racing car um, with Brad Schumacher as the amateur, as in literal plumber from Kelso, which is about 40 minutes from Bathurst, Brad Schumacher. Um, and he's got with him supercars driver for the uh, Peter Zaberis Premier Racing Team, James Golding. And they're coming along as uh, support for this car, mechanical support for this car. So they're the ones operating this car this weekend. And as well, just a, you know, Belgian guy by the name of Frederick Verviche. Not sure if you've heard of him. Yeah, what's it? How did he end up here? Uh, apparently he won a few things in a few cars. I'm not sure. Yeah, oh, he knows. But Premier Racing are quickly becoming a really handy team in supercar land. Zaberis is just throwing money, throwing resources at it to build up what was a shell of an organization in Techno. And the fact he's got his claws into this car as well, I think is going to really bode well for Brad Schumacher and that team. Yeah, and Brad Schumacher is probably one of the other names that I would say is arguably the best amp driver in the country. Mm. Um, he and that's and not, it's not bad. just this he's driven. Yeah, it's not bad for a plumber from Kelso. <laughs> exactly. Uh, he's what else he's driven? He's driven. He 
he's driven a few other things and done well in those last year. I think he was in the TCR at some point as well. Uh, I'm not um, sure about TCR, but he was certainly the top performing uh, trophy cup runner. And the, the Australia, the way the GTR, uh, sorry, the way the SRO GT World Challenge Australia works is a bit weird. Trophy cup is like older GT3 cars. Um, so you don't get a pro-am scene in that. It's all amateur drivers. And uh, Schumacher was cleaning the field um, while he was an entry in that. But when he got invited to be part of the Audi factory setup, he like I caught up with him in the pits last year uh, doing some interviews as part of the uh, SRO Facebook page, uh, the, the socials rather. Um, and he was beaming. He would not take that uh, Audi factory, uh, like the the fire suit off. He was just absolutely just stoked. Um, but he, his performances yeah. on track warranted that as well, though. Yeah, now, and also, what was the last event at Bathurst, the last actual event? It the was last... the Bathurst International. It was. Guess who qualified pole that race for the GT3s? Uh, I'm going to guess it was James Golding. I mean, not James Golding, Brad Schumacher. It was indeed Brad Schumacher. Yeah, and he was driving, I think, with Tim Slade on that occasion, was he? He was indeed. Yeah, and that car finished second after a late race charge from uh, whoever was co-driving with the Aston Sheehan. Did I get oh, that yeah, one second right? second best damn driver in the country. <laughs> yeah, I think he did. I would hope so. I, yeah, again, this... I wrote the article about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this car will be close to the finish, coming first or second, most likely. Yeah, I again, it, it definitely pro am, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it mixed with the pros. Mm, exactly. Actually, no, I got that wrong. It wasn't uh, the driver uh, co-driver with um, uh, Yasser Shahin. It was actually the co-driver with uh, with Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim because it was the triple eight with Brock Feeney who chased down Tim Slade and won the race. There you go. Oh, then. And look at you! You were so willing to write uh, to to write off Feeney like it wasn't even a thing. I'm still fair to... Oh, not write them off. Come on, give me some credit. <laughs> ah, I love putting but words in your mouth. Yeah, think invention Triple H. Shall we talk about their car next, their program entry? Because this yes. is interesting. This is an interesting car. It's not... It's 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 a car with no eights in it. I know. How shocking. Um, huh? It's the 99 car. Uh, again, in the Mercedes uh, AMG. Uh, this is... Is it... It's not the boost one. It's the other one. Yes, it is the boost one. It is the no, boost one. this is one. the boost one. Yeah, so the the, the pro is- car is the super cheap car. This is the boost car, and this is because uh, it has Richie Stanaway making his return to Triple uh, Eight Race Engineering. Well, making his debut with Triple Eight Race Engineering, um, and his return to full time racing? Question mark. Yeah, I can see Triple Eight using him a lot in their Asian exploits because for those who haven't kept up with the news, he's driving with Mister Shane Van Gisbergen next in, next this year in the Enduros. And yeah, in the supercars enduros. So that's that was a big <laughs> yeah. thing, and that's come off the back of him doing a wild card for the Bathurst One Thousand last year, um, with Peter Addison's support as the head of Boost Mobile. So that's where the funding is coming from for this car, um, as well as you know Jamie Winkup and Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim. Uh, so the Yahor, uh, Johor rather, um, yeah. <laughs> money coming in. So, so money is not an issue for this car. No, not at all. <laughs> and the drivers aren't either. How do you? Look, we know what Windcap can do. We know what Stanaway can do. How do you rate the Prince? So, he is still a work in progress, I, I think. Um, certainly, the results have been improving, um, but he will still lose time to the likes of the other AM drivers in the country, the likes of the Schumachers, the likes of the uh, the Shahins, even to an extent, the likes of 
the um, the Tony Bates. Um, I think he's very good in conditions that are static. Um, however, he is less confident in conditions that are changeable, whether that be changing tire, like changing temperatures, or whether that be spots of rain. Um, I think. If he is given the car that is perfectly in the setup window, he will be as fast as the other AM drivers. But I think he doesn't have quite have the ability yet to be able to drive around a car that is not suited to him, like say a Shahin or a Schumacher can. That's my read. Yep, and I and I don't think he's quite there in terms of battling and fighting for his positions. Yeah, his racecraft isn't quite there yet. Um, mm. so, I see what I was looking for. Yes. Yeah. In saying that, though, all he needs to do is get the car in a decent position and hand it over to yeah. one of the very prof- experienced professional drivers and see what happens. Yeah. He just basically needs to do hours three and seven and hand it over because the other two can carry that car to the finish, no problem. Absolutely, right. Um, I, I would still... Um, I, I don't think Winkup quite has the same pace in a GT3 car as he does in a supercar. Um, and I'd be interested to see how Stanaway goes in a GT3 car after being out of GT cars for quite a while. Um, what what, do you, true, his, what he, do you reckon his last GT experience was, Chris? Oh, crikey. Um, would it have been the Aston at Le Mans? It would have <laughs> been the not. Aston in Le Mans, indeed. He was in GTE Pro in 2017, driving the Aston Martin. Okay, so it has been a, f- a few years. At least the Aston's somewhat similar to the Mercedes. Eh, yeah, I going... guess front engine, big, big and beefy. Yeah, it's not. It's not going from a Porsche Mercedes, which would be totally. You got to rethink how you drive. Yeah, absolutely. So, I reckon that car should still contend for a pro am podium, but I don't think it'll be fighting with the pro cars necessarily. Yeah. I think that's a fair read. Uh, it wouldn't... Like, Triple A are a, a killer outfit, and Winkop has done plenty of laps around here. So, yeah, I don't... I wouldn't be surprised to see that fighting with the pro, for the Pro-Am podium, certainly. Uh, Correct. One last Pro-Am car to talk about, and that is the uh, Scott Taylor Motorsport car. Now, this is a bit of an interesting car. This car is running uh, with the uh, signage and sponsorship of the Australian Prostate Cancer Foundation. Um, Similar to what it did uh, run last year as a uh, cup car. Um, This has the same driver lineup as it had last year as well, which includes, of course, Craig Lowndes, as well as Alex Davison and Jeff Emery with the car owner, Scott Taylor. Um, This car is, yeah, going to be raising money for the Prostate Cancer Foundation um, as I think both Craig and Alex have uh, relatives who have suffered from prostate cancer. Um, so it's, mm-hmm. uh, it's, uh, if you see it and if you want to support it, uh, there will be links on their website and I'm sure there'll be links on the Bathurst 12 hour website. Um, there'll probably be stuff that's happening on their Twitter as well, um, that you can donate some money for a really good cause. Uh, and yeah, help, help men, help stop men dying too young from prostate cancer. Yeah. And if you don't support it, that means you like cancer. Well, you <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> Um, <laughs> oh, that could, that should probably be cut out. Um, no, that's year, staying in. That's that's that's, that's the that's <laughs> that's going before the title track on the song on the song. Uh, it's going before that. Oh god. Uh, so, so yeah, last year. How do you rate the chances? 
So last year they won their class because that was by default. Yeah, <laughs> they were the only entry in, they were the only cup car in there. Uh, well, they weren't the only cup car that was in there. They were the only cup car that finished. Those are oh, two different things. No, the only they were the only cup car I care about because the other one. Okay, that's fair. Year. I'll pay that. Yeah. So, Craig Mounts, yeah, okay, he's getting old. He still knows how to drive this place because he's Craig Mounts. Yeah. Alex Davison, getting old, knows how to drive this place because he's Alex Davison. Jeffrey Murray's been doing this for years. Scott Taylor's been doing this for years. Solid, not spectacular. Prom is a massive step up for Scotty Taylor. I don't expect them to be troubling the front end. Yeah, I get that same sort of read. It's especially when you compare it to the likes of the 99, the 55, the 777. It just doesn't have the same fear that the other cars do. And as mm. you said, like. There is no one that has done more laps of Mount Panorama than Craig Lowndes. But he's not, not the same driver, I think, that he used to be. And as well, like, there's there's an effect of, like, they're not here and necessarily to win as well. I kind of get that that mm. vibe from the team. I'm using, I'm going off vibes here. But, like, you know, if, if they were here to win, they would have brought, they, there would be more firepower on their team. That's, that's not why they're here. They're here to raise awareness for, for charity. They're here to have a cool day out on track. And like, sure, they're going to be competitive. Like Alex Davison's a former supercars driver, has, I think, taken pole in class in this race. Or, you know, he's, he's had decent results in this race. Jeff Emery's a Carrera Cup Pro-Am champion. He's a Australian GT champion. He, he knows how to steer a car. But like you compare him to the the other dry, the other teams that have international entries, and it's just not the same. And so like, it's just not the same. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just not. But you know, they'll finish. Yeah, and also like, so it's you, Craig Lowndes. If, yeah, <laughs> it's fan favorite. Exactly. Uh, so, so the worst thing you can do is is donate fifty cents for every lap they finish because they'll do a fair few laps. That. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that would be like yeah. 160 bucks. Yeah. Maybe. Or 150 bucks. You know what? I might do that. I might not. We'll, don't hold me to that. <laughs> Listeners, don't hold me. I never said anything. Um, Pro-Am, who's going to win? Uh, can we move on before you end up in debt? Who's, um, who's oh, going to win? Who's going to win the race or who's going to win the class? Who's going to win Pro-Am? Triple seven. Oh, God. Triple seven just by 55. I think triple seven by a lot over fifty five. Oh, really? as, okay. as much as I love Golding, I don't think he's 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 quite that level yet. Um, and what I saw from Ricardo Feller last year, he blew me away. So I reckon the triple sevens triple seven is going to beat half the pro field. Is my read. So triple seven overall podium question mark? Look, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. <laughs> I wouldn't hate it. You know. <laughs> It would be it'd be it would be wild, but I wouldn't put it too far out of reach, truth be told. Mm, okay. But we'll much like the GTD and GTD Pro um battle that we just had at Daytona, I, I suspect that at least one of these GTD uh these Pro Am cars will be mixing it with the pros throughout this, the mm. race. Because it's not about the classes when you're two hours away from the race and you've got pro drivers in there because then the amateur doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's it's all about the quality of who you've got behind the wheel. On that note, mm. though, did you know that there is one driver, uh, well, at least one driver, 
who has a pro class win at Bathurst, who does not have an overall win. Ah, oh, there's a trivia question. What year did the AM win overall? That was Maddie Campbell and that car, wasn't it? So it was not. No, it wasn't. Okay. Please tell. It was the 2015 event, which ended oh, yeah. with two laps of green flag running after a very late safety car. Yes. And who won the 2015 event, Chris? Uh, that would have been the Godzilla. Godzilla, yes. <laughs> Kasumasa Chio with the restart absolutely ripped apart, like totally ripped apart the three pro cars in front of him, which were the Bentley Team and Sport, Craft Bamboo Racing and Phoenix Racing, uh, uh, Phoenix Racing Audi, duh. Um, which means that um, for Marco Rapelli and Lawrence Vantor, it didn't, it wasn't the worst because they have taken overall victories in other Audis. But for Marcus Winkelhock, he has a pro class victory in at Bathurst 12 hour, but has not taken an overall win. That's wild. If we ever do a quiz show again, uh, an endurance chat quiz night, that has to be a question. <laughs> Just so we can flex Wait. on everyone. Oh yeah. Yeah. Team, team Anzac. I'm I'm down for I'm down for Anz that. Um so that I mean, could we see that again? Could that happen again? If we get a late safety car and you've got Ricardo Feller behind the wheel in the triple seven, or Christopher Meese behind the wheel in the triple seven in fourth place. Oh, you wouldn't want to be gizzy in front of those two, would no, you? No, no, you wouldn't. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> right, uh, that is Pro-Air. We have two more classes left to talk about. Um, we've got Silver Club and Invitational Class. Now, Silver Club Class is basically almost... It's it's almost M, uh, like... Well, sorry. It's almost Pro... Uh, Sans Pro. There's not really any Pro drivers that I can see just looking at it. Um, what it has There got, is one. There is one? Let's see if I can there find it. There is one. There is, uh, yes. Okay, you're right. There is one. <laughs> and a pretty yeah, big, one, one, big one at that. Um, yeah. There, there's six cars in this class. Um, we are just going to whiz through them because I think for a lot of people, they're not really going to have known too many of the names. So we'll just whiz through them and give you a little mm. bit of background. Um, where shall we start? Well, let's go numerically again. Starting with number six, the Wall Racing Hypno Car Lamborghini Huracan. The only Lamborghini on the entry list. Yep. And yeah, you'll see why it's called Hypnocar if you haven't seen this car race before. Phenomenal paint job. Tony D'Alberto, Adrian Dietz, car owner, David Wall, and Bathurst local, Grant Denyer. Bathurst local and Australian TV personality, Grant Denyer. Um, for those who uh, don't know, he ho- used to host the Australian version of Family Feud and is an absolute barrel of laughter and has that same energy like trackside as well. I got the chance to interview him um, for, again, for the SRO uh, social media and he was just, again, absolutely beaming just to be there and to be racing. So he's he's actually super serious about it, has taken a class victory and a Bathurst six-hour victory. So... Uh, Really, really cool dude. Uh, was so giving with his time as well. Um, and then, yeah, that I think that team, the same quartet ran last year. Um, they did. And like, David Wall, Tony D'Alberto, they're like on the, the, the back end of their careers. They are, but they're still, you know, solid. Yeah. Uh, and Adrian Deitz, yeah, he's, he's a car owner. He's not the quickest in the world, but he's not the crashiest in the world either. Yeah. And Grant Inyot also had a win last year. 
in, in Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> and you know that just because your uh, your partner was watching it, weren't you? Of course. Yeah. I had to do something while feeding at three in the morning. Gross. <laughs> well, there you go. So that's the, the number, the six car. So the only Lamborghini. You can't miss that one. Um, uh, the number 10 car, the Myland Team IMS car, uh, has... Uh, Daniel Gaunt, Dylan O'Keefe, and Andrew Fawcett. Now, this is a New Zealand flag car, car Kiwi. Can you tell me anything about that? Yeah, so Milan, so they're racing, so they race, well, they've raced in Super Tourers over in New Zealand. Super Tourer doesn't really exist anymore. So they raced Toyota 86 New Zealand and GT3s in the Endurance Championships, North and South Island, so they combine one as well. Uh, this is basically the team owner, Andrew Fawcett, bring the car over here to race. Daniel Gaunt, you know, he's been a long time runner in New Zealand motorsport, even raced a little bit supercars here. Um, not to any great success. Dylan O'Keefe though, you know him. He's pretty good. He, he's certainly better than his, uh, better than his record suggests. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and he's won WTC, running WTCR, he actually raced the Bathurst six hour last year in the race winning Mercedes Benz A forty five. Yes, um, with Mike Sheargold. Uh, sorry, hang mm. on. What, what am I talking? Yeah, the six hour. Yeah, but that was uh, I think that was the class winning, uh, not the race winning car. Oh, sorry, class winning. Sorry, yes, A one yeah. class. Yes, of course, um, because X class Beamers. Yes, and he uh, did. Uh, he's won a class in the twelve hour before as well. He has indeed, with uh, Stephen Richards Motorsport in the Cup Cast in 2017. Yes. Which was a fair yeah, while he's ago. He's no slouch. Yes. So, so someone who's, who's got quite a bit uh, of, of racing behind him, uh, recently he's been racing mostly TCR, but, you know, we won't hold that against him. No, no. He's fine. Almost cracked the top 10 in the, 12, uh, the Bathurst 1000 last year with James Golding as well, uh, driving for Premier Racing. He did indeed. And he's their co-driver again this year. I'm pretty sure that's already been announced. So I expect I expect good things from those two at least. Andrew Fawcett, he's not the best. Let's be real. That's that's not a name I even recognise. So I, I guess that's mm-hmm. someone who's who's in the in the New Zealand motorsports scene. Yeah, he is. Yeah, there we go. Uh, now I want to talk a brief a bit more about this car. We mentioned it when we were talking about the Pro Am car, uh, Volante Rotos- uh, Rosso Motorsport. This is the uh, the silver car entry, which is going to have the uh, Harold's sponsorship on it. And I wanted to uh, to talk a little bit more about the Am driver who's behind this car, which is Ross Palakis. Now. Palakis mm-hmm. has started GT3 racing only very recently. His first season was last season in the GT World Challenge Australia. He was straight away on the pace of the more experienced pro am, uh, like am drivers. So straight away in the mix with like within a second, like within seconds of Yasser Shahin, Prince Jeffrey Ibrahim, Brad Schumacher, Tony Bates, Liam Talbot, all that group of guys. He was only just behind them. And he backed that up with taking a third place in the Bathurst International three-hour race uh, last time we were at Bathurst. So he is going to be an AM driver to watch across the the uh, the event. Uh, the 101 yeah. car, that's, that's going to be a car to keep an eye on. However, yeah. I'm not sure about his teammates, <laughs> just because I don't know who they are. Uh, which one, Jonathan Wee or Josh Hunt? Uh, Josh, both, say. both, actually. Well, Josh Hunt... I don't 
really know that much about him, and he's not the Geelong football player. He's not done much for a while. He he, he used to race Asian Le Mans series in GT back in the days of the four five eight. Wow. Okay. Uh, he's driven a bit of Porsche Carrera Cup. Yeah, his result. He's go back twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen. He raced a fair bit in Asia. Hasn't really had that many wins. So I'm not expecting great things from this car and the other two. Yeah, yeah, not too excited by this car to be honest. Well, like, okay, so the the other two drivers they they've entered in Silver Cups, so that way these two drivers particularly can get uh, IGTC points in Silver Cup. Kevin Say mm. came second last year. Sure, he wasn't the fastest, and but that team worked to a strategy, and Say was like integral to get that strategy working. Um, they missed out just because he was a little too slow compared to quite literally Lucas Stoltz in one of the stints. So, you know, he's not I mean, that that's, much of a that's slap. easy to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, Jonathan Hui uh, is an experienced GT racer. You know, he won the Pro-Am uh, GT World Challenge Europe Cup in a Ferrari last year. So it's not like he's 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 no one. Um, it's just uh, not names that you would be used to seeing in a in a car that's challenging for for class honors. I, I suspect, especially not uh, in in a field that's kind of this this competitive. Yeah, especially when we get to a few of the cars down the list. Yeah, but I, I do want to say though, when Palakis is in that car, just keep an eye on it because mm. he he's he's quicker than you expect. Yeah, and I think he's just the he's a fashion guy. <laughs> Doesn't that make you hate it? it? I know, right? The company he is the managing director of is in fashion. <laughs> Expensive fashion too. Oh, brilliant. Uh, three more cars. Uh, one more Mercedes and two Audis. Uh, we've got Valmont Racing, which is the brainchild of Sergio Perez, which is said Perez, but it's not that Sergio Perez, um, and Marcel Zalua. Um, and they're bringing on uh, Devashin Padiachi, which is the quick Padiachi. Uh, and Aaron Cameron uh, as their drivers. Now, Velvet Racing uh, is a cool little sort of uh, organization. It's basically Sergio and Marcel getting together and racing and raising some money to char- for charity just because they can, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And their car this year looks pretty spectacular. Gorgeous. If you haven't seen it. It's, you know, it's got, the, got the quarter panel pink and blue fade, yellow on the back. It's going to stand out on track. Uh, they're going to be. I mean, they're not the slowest in the world. Aaron Cameron, Aaron Cameron, I like as a driver. Yeah, absolutely. He's uh, done what Toyota eighty six and one Toyota eighty six. Stepped up to TCR, did the TCR for Australia at the uh, Motorsport Games last year, and didn't do too badly, mm-hmm. truth be told. Yeah, and he's going to be a he's going to be a future supercars driver in all likelihood. Mm. So. For, for the car and him and Devashian alone, I'm intrigued by this car. I don't expect Sergio Perez and Zuloa to have the pace to mix it with the rest of them, but I'm still going to watch this car pretty closely. Yeah, and, and I do want to actually just want to shout out to Sergio Perez. He had a massive accident at the Adelaide 500 support race mm. uh, two months ago now. And, like, I'm talking buried in the tyre barrier all the way through to the concrete, 
broke his collarbone on impact. It was that heavy. Um, so I remember reading a quote from him and I think a Speed Cafe article saying that the first thought that he had after, you know, oh my God, this is so painful was the Bathurst 12 hour. Am I going to be ready for the Bathurst 12 hour? So the fact that he's been able to go through his rehab and get to a point where he is comfortable to be back behind the wheel of a Mercedes AMG, that is that is a really, really good job. So big ticks for Sergio and I hope to see that car do fairly well. Um, and, and I said as well, they're raising money for charity. Um, I think they're doing a, a part of it for the um, Sony Foundation and the uh the sydney hospital foundation i think is is what's going on oh, yes um so a really good cause basically centered around allowing kids and families uh access to medical uh intervention um and allowing them to like allowing them accommodation and things like that so that way they can stay mm. uh close to hospitals without having to worry about paying that extra money for it yeah. For those of you in America who are familiar with Ronald, Ronald McDonald House, similar concept. Yeah, pretty much. Um, so, yeah. yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, it's great that Marcel and Sergio have this platform and they've chosen to do this with it. I think that's really, really cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah. When there's a story behind race teams, you care about them a lot more. So yeah. I'm going to enjoy watching this car on track and I hope they do well enough. And it's good to see him back. After yeah. such a that was a it was a shocker. It was an absolute shocker. shocker. Like, don't know mm. how he was able to get out of that with only a broken collarbone. That kind of accident. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Two more cars. Uh, one of them is the Superbahn Team MPC in the Audi number forty-seven. Uh, so this is Team Superbahn. So that means it has the Condoras brothers, James and Theo. Also with them is James Russell. And how do you feel about this, Keely? Jonathan Webb. Uh, what? <laughs> I, I thought he was basically a pariah in motorsport communities, but here he is. Yeah. Um, um, it's, it's odd. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's, it's odd. So for those who don't know the backstory, Jonathan Webb ran Techno Watersports for a long period of time. Um, is, in fact, the only driver to have done the Bathurst 12-hour 1000 double in the same year. Um, after he won in 2016 with Van Gisbergen and Parent in the McLaren at the 12-hour, and then won with Will Davison in the Bathurst 1000. Um, but since Techno Autosports, uh, well, uh, since Van Gisbergen left Techno Autosports, a lot of the brains behind that team left. It kind of took a bit of a turn for the worst, uh, and then got supported by the New South Wales government to move to Sydney to create Team Sydney. However, there was money problems, organisational problems, and then that fell through. And so Webb sold the team now to Peter Zaberis, which is where Premier Racing came in. But there's been a lot of tension around Jonathan Webb in particular and the way that he has run things. Um, I am not in a position to say whether or not these things are accurate or inaccurate. This is just what has been coming out of the paddock and things that I've been seeing in terms of media release and that sort of stuff. So it is a little, a little odd to see him back behind the wheel of a super, uh, a, a super barn car. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I do think he'll be better for not having to worry about any managerial. He can just shut up and drive. Yeah. I, I think, the managerial side of things really burdened uh, yeah. him. That's that's kind of the impression that you got. Yeah. So I'll be watching with a keen eye. Well, not necessarily a keen eye, but an intrigued eye. Yeah. Like raised eyebrow sort of thing. Yeah. Um, 
it's saying that like, the Kaduras brothers are great amateur drivers. Uh, really cool mm-hmm. that they just spend their time just racing the Superbahn car. It's very easy to see. It's black with Superbahn written on the side of it. You can't miss it. Um, and shout out to, uh, I think it was Theo, who's made his return after a massive accident in practice one last year, where he rode off that chassis coming under Reed Park and gave himself a concussion um, and was out for the rest of the weekend. But the team shipped the car up from Melbourne overnight and did a Evo upgrade to it at the track um, to get it ready for them to be able to race on Sunday. So um, that is the power of Melbourne Performance Centre and it was really cool to sort of drop in on them a few times that day while they were doing that upgrade and just sort of see how it was going Mm. and see how fast they were progressing with that. Yeah, and hopefully we don't see that again because... Yeah. (laughs) You know, but uh, no, I'll be intrigued to see how they go. I can't see them winning the class or getting close to contending necessarily. Well, that's because... I haven't seen Jonathan Webb race for a long time. Well, yeah, and that's also because, you know, the next car on the entry list is kind of stupid. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is... This is not a silver class car. No. No. We're talking about the number 65 uh, Melbourne Performance Centre car, which has Fraser Ross, Liam Talbot, and Chas Mostert? <laughs> what? The, uh... The uh, supercars driver, Audi, former Audi driver, Chas Mostert. What's he doing here? What on earth is this? Well, this is the thing. This has been, the, this is the same driver lineup as last year, which was in a pro-am car. And also this has been like, Mostert has been driving co-driver for Talbot with Fraser Ross throughout the whole of the GT World Challenge Australia last season. But how have they managed yeah. to squeeze that car into silver? Uh, I'm guessing there must be a rule about two silver drivers because that's how Ross and Talbot and then Chaz oh god this this car this car would beat some of the pro-ams easily he he sticks out like a sore thumb in that class honestly yeah 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 hell he would have worked in one of the pro-audis yeah yeah absolutely swap him and Patrick Niederhauser yeah Um, so basically long and short of it this car should win its class and win it comfortably right uh, uh, yes, but <laughs> that panorama. Yeah, true. But um, uh, one question: Where's their Mercedes? Where's their McLaren gone? Uh, the um, the fifty nine racing McLaren. Yeah, the one that Ross and Ta- Ross usually races. Yeah, well, that's a great question. Well, he hasn't usually raced it because the last time he raced it was about this twelve hour in twenty twenty. Um, and I'm not sure, but I think that car got taken back to Europe when it was clear that the Australian GT series was getting cancelled for that year. So ah. I don't know is the answer. Um, but like Talbot and Ross have been racing the number 65 Audi um, in the Shannon's livery for all of last season. And Chas Mostert was with them racing at Bathurst and was racing with Talbot prior to that. So it doesn't surprise me that this is the driver lineup that they have. Talbot as well is in that conversation for best AM driver in the country. So, you know, him, Yasser Shahin, and Brad Schumacher are probably the three best AMs in Australia at the moment. Um, and I would argue that Talbot's probably more of a gold than he is a silver. But that's a different company. Anyway. Uh, you're probably right. Yeah. And it's, also his beard is probably gold bitter worthy. If he's still got that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. And of course, and of course, Mr. Charlie. Yeah, Mr. Uh, uh, what's her last name? Charlie Robinson, um, who, for yeah. all of those in Australia who were about my age, would have watched on TV as part of High Five back in the day. Sorry for <laughs> everyone. Uh, sorry for everyone who's that. just got unlocked some memories that they didn't want to. 
<laughs> long repressed memories have come surfacing back. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, back so, on track. This car is phenomenal. phenomenal so this now. is the weird thing, right? Like, this car just kills the class. Yeah. Like, it was, it's like the Groves and B class of old. Yeah, exactly. This car just kills the class. Like, there's no point of talking about any of the other cars as contenders because this car kills the class. Okay. Over under three pro-am cars beaten by this car. Beaten by the... Oh, pro-am. Oh, let's have a look at the pro-ams. I think, yes. I think over under under one of the pro cars that doesn't retire gets beaten by this car. That's how good this car is. Yeah. Right, that's that's what I yeah. so so this car should be in for a top ten definitely. Is what oh, we're saying. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So who wins Pro Am if you remove that car? Oh sorry, who wins silver, silver rather? Who wins silver if you take that car out? If you kneecap Chasmos at night before the race, I reckon it's gonna be the Groves. Groves aren't even in that class. No, they're in Pro Am. No, you're right. I can't read. <laughs> that's how good um, that's how good the chess monster car that's how good the Talbot Frost and monster car is honestly wall racing uh the Lamborghini yeah 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 I could see that I I I don't think Dietz Dietz is is that it's all that though that's the thing I don't think but Dietz I- is all that Four driver lineup. He doesn't need to be in the car for long. This is true. This is true. I would probably say the Condoras team. I, I'd say that the forty-seven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even with Christian Jonathan Mark- Webb. I've- it's weird. It's it, it's a really weird mix. It is super weird. Mm. So that's that's silver. So that's the GT three field, which is 20, 20 cars, which is a pretty solid field. You know. That's like mm. twice as many cars as Kyle Army will have in a month's time. Yeah, it is actually. <laughs> is that too is that too low? Is that too low a shot? Is that below the belt? Nah, that'll be fine. They'll get, they'll get their race sorted eventually. I hope so. Um so now we get to move to the cool part of the Bathurst twelve hour, and this is the invitational cars. <laughs> now, Chris, why are the invitational cars A here, B so cool? Well, they've done something different this year. They've basically said, okay, we haven't got enough interest in B, C, D, so everyone's invitational. We've got a mix of all sorts of cars from other classes, and they're limited to a lap time of two minutes six, I think, this year. But they're all going to make that pace in weirdly unique fashion. And a more diverse cars, we've got a GT4, we've got a crossbow, we've got two bespoke Mark cars, and the most ridiculous car you're ever going to see in a racetrack. It's pretty wild. <laughs> it's it's yeah. it's really fun. And I think as much as it's uh, Bathurst 12 Hours built as like Australia's international endurance event, there has always been a part of it which has been very uniquely like Australian. Like oh, yeah. the sound yes. of a V8 motor at Bathurst kind of Australian. Um, and yes. like... If you go back as far as watching the, you know, the production car days of Bathurst 12 hour when GT3s were the fresh new thing, you know, these sort of cars filled out parts of the grid. And then as that, you know, snowballed and GT3 became the main focus and, you know, it became an IGTC round, these cars have still always found their place because they bring a flavor to the event, which is so unique to Bathurst. And like, Mm. you know, the Mark cars have become endurance kit cars that get sold to people who race in Creventic 
because of just how good the yeah. cars are. Yeah, they just build them bespoke, build them to last, and build them well. And like a, a mark car in the hands of a professional driver, we'll do a 203 around Bathurst. A 203? Yeah. It's, it's crazy. What's supercars doing? 2038 now? Yeah, a Mark car will do that. Like that's it's just how, kind of how crazy that these things are. So let's let's talk about yeah. these cars. We we're talking about the Mark cars. Mm. Let's uh, list them off. We've got two cars. One of the newer spec Mark twos, which are styled like a Mustang, which look really cool. This is technically a Papua New Guinea flag entry, and that is because of Keith Kasuki, uh, who is the former head or former owner of Mark cars Australia. Really, really cool dude. Super tall. Mm-hmm. Like, so tall, I don't even understand how he fits <laughs> in one of those. Um, but he's bringing along with him uh, Cameron McLeod and Hadrian Morel, which I believe are both drivers, uh, like, Mark car drivers who have done this event yeah. a few times now. Yeah, they, they're long-term markers. Yeah. Were you at the... Have you heard the Mark II at the Mountain, Chris, or did they debut after your last uh, time there? They... I've, I've not heard the Mark II. Okay. I will warn you, if you're at the track, and I'm talking specifically to Dimos, who's in the live chat right now, who's on his way to Australia from New Zealand. Dimos, if you are going to the track and you hear the Mark car, you need to wear headphones, like earplugs, because that will hurt. I'm not kidding. These things are loud. (laughs) Take care of your ears, because they've got a Coyote V8 engine in them. Uh, I'm talking like Mm. pain barrier loud. Like... You, you, uh, bring hearing protection, please, <laughs> for your own safety. Um, yeah. Also on the grid is a example of the older spec Mark car. So this is a Mark One. So this is ones that they built out of a Ford Focus or a Mazda Three chassis. And this is being run by MRA yep. Motorsport. Um, with a, again with a five liter Ford uh, Coyote V8 out the back. Um, this has. Darren Curry, Grant Donaldson, and Jeff Taunton in it. And Taunton is the only name I recognize. Yeah, he's driven Mark cars for as long as even Mark cars in the race. The yeah. other two, I don't recall seeing before on this list. Yeah, interesting interesting little trio in that car. And it's interesting that they've got one of the Mark IIs and one of the Mark Ones. Yeah, well, the Mark program sort of stopped for a bit. I don't know whether they're going to do Mark, uh, Mark III anytime soon, but... When you consider a lot of them have been sold off overseas or, you know, racing in Australian Autosport Alliances series. It makes sense to me that there's only a couple here. Yeah, and as well, like, I would expect that the demand for new cars is probably pretty low at the moment as we're still trying to yeah. find our way back to, you know, economic Life. prosperity. Yeah, well, see how long that takes. Some, yeah, something um, along those lines. We should talk about the... So these cars are probably the ones that are going to struggle the most to stay under the 206 time in this race. Yeah. that Because that time has been putting put that level because of the GT4, I think, well, the uh, 19 Corporation Mark Griffith car. Actually, I think that mm-hmm. the, the GT4 will be well off the pace. So I reckon the GT4 will be lapping about oh, really? 212. Yeah. I reckon the battle for invitational honours is going to be between the Mark cars and the KTM crossbow, um, I talked a fair. Good. I talked a fair bit to. I think it was um, uh, to. Uh, I, I'm trying to remember who it was. I believe it was David Crampton. 
uh, last year, or, or Trent Harrison, I believe it was David Crampton. Mm-hmm. He was beaming about that car. He was saying that in the GT4 KTM crossbow, they were struggling to get 210 Ks down Conrad Strait. First lap out in the GT2, okay. he he was doing 265. You're right. I just I just saw that. It was this is the GT. Is it the first time we've seen the GT2 in Australia, Bathurst? No, Probably. that car did race last no. year. Um, and in the hands of a pro driver, um, that was hitting 206s like consistently. So they had they had okay. Dale Dale Wood in that car. Um, and then I think. Uh, they had uh, in the in the Mark cars that year. They had Zane Morse and oh no, sorry, Zach Best and Declan Fraser, and all three of those cars were capable of two hundred sixes with the pro drivers in. So it was going to be a really fascinating thing until they all broke down and died. Um, so yeah, GC2 thirty eight laps in the race. Yeah, exactly. Um, GC two KTM. That is going to be. It's going to look sweet. It's going to sound sweet, and it's going to go like stink. And with. David Crampton, Trent Harrison, and Glenn Wood, who have been longtime campaigners of the KTM Crossbow, along with Jaden Ojeda, who's a up-and-coming Super 2 driver, I reckon that car is going to surprise a few people. Okay, no, I'm looking forward to it. Um, it's a... I, I, the Crossbow, to me, is just a phenomenally weird race car. It looks the like it shouldn't getting exist. getting into it from lifting off the front end. Exactly. Yeah, it looks like it doesn't want to exist. Uh, powered by an Audi engine, 2.5 litre, and it weighs, what, probably 2.5 kilo. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, it should go like this. Children go like stink over the top. Unlike the next car we're going to talk about, the uh, Daytona Sports Cars entry. Do you want to talk about this car? Because this is fascinating to me. This is such a weird little car. So, so the Daytona Sports Cars, yeah. they, they were running things. They, they, like, basically run bespoke racing cars that they've modified so in the past we've seen them run the daytona sports coupe that looks like a car from the 1960s they've run the dodge viper uh, as well which had a reputation for snapping its splitter and flapping its whole way across the top of the mountain and this is the sin r1 gt4 uh the sin r1 is a bulgarian built bespoke race car powered by a general motors seven liter ls7 engine it is weird it looks super cool it has active aero and air brakes in uh like in the wing but it looks it's it's a weird looking thing it's a weird sounding thing it sounds just like it sounds like a seven liter ls7 but it's coming out of the body of a lotus elise basically (laughs) yeah it's just so weird yeah so you got seven liters uh, 530 horsepower in a car that weighs 1200 kilo or 1250 kilo that 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 that's that you know before they do any reduction of weight reduction on it it's gonna go like stink down the down the straights and probably handle like a shopping cart up top <laughs> like all daytona cars do it's going to be fun, though, and that's going to be okay. a thing. It's going to be something fun. It's oh. going to be something unique. I've only ever seen it race at one other race, and that was, I think, the 2019 Australian GT Endurance Round at Sandown. But even then, they split the Endurance Round that weekend into three one-hour races. So it's it's gonna, it's gonna just a super weird car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's going to be loud. Oh, yeah. It's, again, bring hearing protection. 
Daimler's saying he's bringing he's bringing earplugs and his ancillary his ancillary headphones, which I'm guessing means noise cancelling headphones. So that'll be a good time. Protect your ears, friends. Yes. Then. Yes. And you can listen to the radio commentary while you're there. Yeah. Um, final car um, entry list is the GT4 of 19 Corp, the uh, Mercedes AMG. Uh, this is, of course, Mark Griffith in the Dalma Trucks Brisbane entry, which is uh, his company. Um, Griffith is a cool guy. He's an old dude who likes racing and races his GT4 car because why not? Um, but this is the only car on the entry yeah. list thus far. Well, the only car on the entry list that doesn't have all the drivers confirmed yet. Um, so Griffith, we can sort of make a educated bit of a guess, guess though. Yeah. So, um, well, the guess would be that it's either going to be Nash or Paul or both Morrisons, um, because yeah. they were the two that were running as co-drivers last year. Yeah. Um, in the past, he's run as GT3, but he's had drivers like Christina Nielsen, Yelma Berman, um, that, that sort of caliber. Yeah. You're not going to get that for a GT4, so then Morris is probably a safe bet. Well, you say that. Although he had... But he did he had have, Dirk Muller in the GT4. Yeah, he had Dirk Muller in the GT4 in 2020. So, you know, if you pay anyone enough money, I'm sure they'll come and race a GT4 at Bathurst. Um, yeah. yeah. Mean, it, would, it wouldn't laps, surprise me to see A. Morris right in it. Yeah. And maybe uh, one of his young drivers from his academy. Yeah, possibly. Um, who, would, who would have thought Paul Morris would be the, running the best academy in Australian motorsport? Uh, I mean, those who can't teach, right? <laughs> what am I saying? He's got a Bathurst 1000 victory. <laughs> it's so, just, um, such a weird you're gonna ask you to, You're going to ask me to pick a winner here, aren't you? Uh, I'm actually going to ask you to pick last. 19 Corp. Yeah, okay. I think that's fair. It's going to be between, between them and Daytona cars, I reckon, then. Okay, follow up. Who's going to be the winner? Ugh. Cross bow. Yeah. Good man. Good man. I hope that car gets to the finish. <laughs> Last year it didn't. Uh, I hope it gets to the finish. Mm-mm. Cool. Now... But yeah, it's going to be fun to watch at iClass. It is. And like, even for just like the weird and wonderful, just have a look at it because it's going to be it's going to be super cool. And I'm sure with like 28 cars in 12 hours, they'll get a bit of airtime because they are just fun cars. They're cool cars. Like... The the Mark One will shoot fire out of the side of it as it goes over McPhillamy Park because of course it does because that's so cool. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's yeah. they're they're part of the unique part and parcel of this event, which will get underway, Chris, at five forty five Australian Eastern Daylight Time on Sunday morning. And did you know that that is approximately the same time that the Daytona Twenty Four Hours starts? Yes, it was actually. So at five forty local time. Yeah, it's off by five well, minutes. Not local, our time. So if you yes. if you had to change That's... your sleep schedule to get up for the Daytona twenty four hour, guess what? <laughs> Do it again. Do it again. Now it's promises to be a good weekend. Uh, support cast as well. We got smaller than usual. Just got combined sedans and Formula Ford. But still, Formula Ford at Bathurst. It's been a while since we've seen open wheelers here. Yes, absolutely. And it's a, it's a combined historic Formula Ford as well. So there'll be plenty of variety up and down the field. Mm. The combined sedans are a little terrifying. I think they've got a capacity grid of 45 cars or something mental. And it's it might even be more than that. And it is like four different classes of cars. I think it's Trans Am, 
improved production, um, uh, uh, V8 Super Tourers perhaps as well, and like another closed uh, like tin top car. It's basically run what you brung. Turn up with a car and run it around Bathurst for a few times. Like it's a really a fun, cool, interesting yeah. support category. Quickly find a entry list for the support category, um, or right, see if I can find something. Um, just to see if we can uh, see if there's anyone in particular who's going to be of interest in that. And that doesn't seem like I can, which is a bit of a shame. But interspersed with all that as well will be a demonstration of the Red Bull RB7 driven by uh, someone from your neck of the woods, Kiwi, Liam Lawson. Yes, you reckon he's going to give, be given license to go full tilt? Probably not. <laughs> Damn. But I oh, can't wait to see that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, also returning is the uh, the shootout, the top 10 shootout. Um, with the new tyre compound this year, we shouldn't have to worry too much about the warming up period as we did last year. So we will see a traditional one-lap dash um, for the Alan uh, Johnson no, no, we won't. No, we won't? No, we won't. Ooh. They'd, remember last year they did two 10-minute two sessions, five cars each? Oh, yeah. They're doing that again. I've just seen that. Which I... Which I don't hate. Eh. It's a point of difference from the thousand. That's true, but there is like, I get that it's a point of difference from the thousand. But the 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 top ten shootout was the point of difference from the rest of the GT world. Like no one else did that until Bathurst started doing it. So like, uh, I, I have conflicting feelings. You're just a conflicted man in general. I am. I am. I mean, I've said today that I'm supporting cars that aren't Shane Van Gisbergen to win this race. Like, this, who am I? What have I become? <laughs> You've become a journalist. Oh, no. Oh, no. Um, the worst type of person. I know, right? It, it is positively the worst. Um, any final things that you want to touch on before we wrap up all the bee's knees and talk about what's gonna, what's coming next? Uh, just reiterating, this is the starting point of hopefully another golden age of the Bathurst 12 hour. Can't wait for it to start. Neither can I. Um, so the race will start, as we may have mentioned, 5.45 Australian Eastern Daylight Saving Time, which is GMT or UTC plus 11 on Sunday. Um, and that will be, that will run for, you know, 12 hours. Um, Broadcasting will be starting, I think, from midday on Saturday, which will include some of the support category action, uh, one of the practice sessions, one of the, qualif- the qualifying, um, and as well uh, the demonstration laps. And that will be broadcast on the Bathurst 12-hour website and the SRO GT World face- uh, Facebook page, YouTube page, etc. Um, for those in Australia, it will be broadcast on uh, Free to Wear, which is Channel 7, and uh, KO and Foxtel um, for pay TV or streaming options. Uh, as well, I think it's on Sky in New Zealand is the news I've been seeing. Yes, Sky, which is a little annoying if you're in New Zealand, but we'll, uh, hopefully you'll be able to find a way to watch. And as well, um, as I may mention, I'm going to be doing all the coverage for Daily Sports Car. Um, so if you're reading anything from Daily Sports Car over the weekend, that'll be me. Um, I'm going to try and do a similar thing to what Cookie did at Daytona, where I just take a walk up and down the grid on Saturday or up and down the pits. Um, So keep your eyes and ears peeled for that. And in fact, keep your ears peeled uh, somewhere else because you might hear my voice somewhere else as well. Mm. Yeah, I'm not hitting absolutely anything there. 
No. Uh, would that somewhere else be the... Uh... Oh, I'm not going to spoil it. You can announce it. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that up for, for people to find. I'm excited for Bathurst. I'm ex- always excited for Bathurst. It's going to be a big week. I can't wait. Cannot wait either. Looking forward to it. Uh, it's nice to see Mountain Racing and bring it on. Hell yeah. Um, of course... And plus I've got the weekend off. Yeah. Nice. That's good for you. And I don't have the weekend off, but that's okay because I'm going to be at the track. Um, of course, there will be race threads. There will be Discord community. There will be Clarkson's prediction contest. Um, so you find that on Fantasy Endurance or MW Clarkson uh, if you search that up. Or if you're in the Discord, you'll find it. You know where to look by now. Chris, thank you for joining me on this Bathurst adventure. No problem at all, my friend. Enjoy the weekend. I will. Thank you, everyone who's been listening for joining us in this Bathurst adventure. I hope that we've been able to shed some light on not just the pro class, but also the Australian flavour of the event. God, it's good to be back. I will see you at the track on Saturday or Friday or Sunday. I hope you have an awesome time watching. I've been Michael Delavari. Peace out. Peace out. Were you trying to snipe me there? Were you trying to snipe me saying yeah. peace out? Yes. Almost got me. Almost yeah. got me. <laughs>